Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, sometimes referred to as a young Bob Barker. Bob Barker. And we, and we are coming to you from our new studio. I couldn't even hardly say it. From our new studio somewhere outside the city limits and outside the perimeter of good taste. Oh yeah, we're but out there. S- we're out there. But still miles better than being in a shack owned by a person we have never met, except by Rob, who may or may not have been the man raped by the owner. He's not saying. Scars. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I was just, I was just kidding. <laughs> Mental scars. So uh, this is our first uh, show, our first day here. What do you think of the new digs, as they say, Rob? Well, I think they're farther away than any place else we've ever done a show, and that is a sign of progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sorry about that huge silence there. Sorry, we're there, just there we're was just, a reason for that. <laughs> we're not declining. We're just progressing in a different direction. I think. I think. Uh, well, right now we're in the uh, uh, metamorphosis stage. Yeah, we just. Everything's uh, there's junk spread everywhere. We we're barely functioning right we're now. We're barely functioning right now. Now the problem is, is that where we've always been, well, most of the time, most of the time, we've had uh, carte blanche. Shut the fuck up <laughs> while I'm talking. Don't put words into my mouth. You just when I say something, you just say that's correct, sir, or I don't agree with that, sir. Every now and then, <laughs> the perfect pause comes along with the perfect annoying thing to say. <laughs> Everywhere we've been, we pretty much had, except for one, but we've had uh, air conditioning and uh, oh. for the summer. Well, except the one place where we started out instead of the uh, what that uh, the the uh, uh, what's the place that we were studio at? Studio number two, I think. Uh, Not studio number. Yeah, well, studio number two in the Winchester building. Yeah, in the Winchester yeah. building. Yes, well, he refused. He did have air conditioning and refused to turn it on. But other than that, we have had pretty comfortable conditions. Yeah. Now we we have no air conditioning or heating in the winter as we speak. Now that may change. We doubt it. I think there will be a rectification just for us, just to uh, allow uh, the facilitation of the I show to continue. I think there will be. And it may <laughs> take some wrestling, may take some bamboozling, but by hook or by crook, we shall have air conditioning. Anyway. <laughs> we're, we're making do, and actually it sounds pretty good because we don't have the echo right now because it's filled with so much stuff here yeah uh, and All this, so uh, it's, these boxes shows and golf stuff uh who oh and by the Musical way stuff. by the way we did miss a week because there was a whole uh i didn't put up a show and everybody's going like hey why didn't you put up a show when you were supposed to put up oh, a show yeah, because knew. there was a lot of kerfuffle and i have to say that with the move things went wrong and mm. none of it was my fault. None of it. None of it. No. Nope. I've not never been to none of it. <laughs> but it was not my fault. It really We're wasn't Rob's it. fault, but I will blame him because yeah. he was kind of half in charge of the move. So there you go. But it was none of my fault. So when you turned in that week and I had to write down there's no yeah. show, um I that just, I kind was of, not my fault. I kind of called a new studio expecting we could go in any time. And it turned out that uh, they were not ready for us. No, they were not ready. So they did not do the job that's that a, they were supposed to do. That's kind of a betrayal. Betrayal. Yeah. yeah. We're going to call this Betrayal Studios. Betrayal Studios. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call my first trip the Betrayer. <laughs> so this week on the show, we pay tribute to recently departed songwriting legend Gordon Lightfoot as we review his 1971 album. Summer Side of Life. But first, speaking of recently departed mentally, uh, <laughs> Rob, how was your week? My week was a groovy conglomeration of strange images and thoughts for which I had no association with anything in the real world. But yet, yeah, there they were, and I was trying to make sense of them. And uh, at the end, I realized there was no sense to be made because they meant nothing. And then they passed don't by. Try, and don't I forgot try and they were drive there. the viewers or the listeners away. Try for is the that, 
one minute that I'm trying to get some water to actually engage the viewers. Engage the viewers. To engage something. the viewers saying something that's not stupid. Ah. Yeah, but the weeks, they're all the same. Oh, well, then make up stuff that they can understand. Like, oh, I went into work and I got so pissed off, I I, I pissed all over the boss. See, that's, <laughs> they would like that. They would I, like I, stuff I like that. I came back and I said, hey, what's wrong with you? I said, I, I'm, I'm disgruntled, look at me. Yeah, like that. That's funny. They don't want to hear about uh, astral traveling or whatever the fuck you were talking about. Oh, I love astral travel. Shut you know that. I know that. <laughs> uh, now today we are going to yeah we're not going to do that this is when I wrote the script like two months ago because that seems how long ago we did this About two months. That, what we're supposed to do this episode but we're going to do that at a later date this show was supposed to be done just a couple days after July 1st which was our Canada Day here so I had this plan, and it was a real good plan, and we we're going to do it right like that, yeah, like two perfect. days. Now it's a couple days, a couple weeks past yeah. July 1st. Still going to do it. It's not as timely uh, because of the, the fuck up that Rob did with moving everything into the studio. Moving here. sucks. <sighs> um, yeah, he's, he's, he's bugging me. I, I've had, had a couple of weeks away from, oh. the, and it's been nice. Uh, but now it's only taken him like I don't know seven minutes to uh, to bring back all that inner anger I have. This heat and your blood pressure. <laughs> it is hot in here. We got no air conditioning. Did I say that? Oh my god. Okay, what we're gonna do is that on July first, which is Canada Day, that's Canada's birthday. Rolling Stone had an article of the fifty greatest artists in the history of music from Canada. Ooh. Very interesting. I'm going to get to it right here. <laughs> I'm going to get it. Then I can actually know what I'm talking about. Um, it was a very complimentary article uh, just about Canada. I think it was written by a Canadian, actually, probably, uh, about how great a country it is compared to another country, which is right beside it. Um, that is the home of uh, Rolling Stone. <laughs> I'm trying not to get anybody mad, but uh, it's true. Why would they write an article like that? Uh, so the list, uh, other than a few things I'm going to say, was pretty, was pretty spot on. Um, they did say right at the beginning that there are, there's no Nickelback on the list. Thank God. The Grand Funk Railroad of the, uh, aughts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no Cowboy Junkies. Thank God. They bore me, they bore me to death. I have never heard a more boring band come out of Canada than the Cowboy Junkies. I actually had a very, very peaceful sleep about three songs into their Trinity Sessions album. And I thank them for that very nice sleep, but I was actually supposed to listen to the album. <laughs> you ended up sleeping too long and uh, you missed the big game. Uh, uh, and also, uh, they apologize that Chilliwack is not on the list. Oh, that's uh, a little perplexing. A little perplexing, yes, it is. I uh, kind of don't agree with that, but there you go. And uh, Bruce Cockburn, oh, sorry, Bruce Coburn is also not on the list. They apologize for that. Bruce Cockburn was what we called him when we were going to school. Because <laughs> it was funny. Because it was funny, <laughs> and we were like 11 years old. <laughs> Cockburn. Ah. Now he'll never do this show. Um <laughs> There was two omissions that I thought was glaring that that couldn't almost be unexplained away, and Either I know that they may not be huge acts in, but they don't have huge. Some of them are not huge acts in America that they have on this list. One of them I could not understand why they did not have Blue Rodeo on there because Blue Rodeo is not only huge in Canada for the amount of time for that a they've long been time. for about 10, 20, 30, 35, almost forty years. They've been. Uh, selling records and extremely commercially popular for that time and to have them not on list i'm sorry that is ignorant because and it doesn't even have to be with musical taste if you're just going by sales and everything uh blue road you has to be on there what was i was now i'm forget what the other band was what was the other band i was thinking of rob oh i i uh this is not the band i was thinking of but they're not on the list but i was 
very disappointed that one of my favorite Canadian bands from the late 70s was not on there, which is Max Webster. I love really? Max Webster. Should have been on there. Holy and I'm not saying one of the best bands in Canada from the late 70s. They are actually one of my favorite bands from anywhere in the late 70s. I, uh, if they had a stable lineup, they would have been... Uh, and even Kim Mitchell, who was the leader of Max Webster, is not on this not list. Not on the list. So I am was oh. very disappointed in that. And I can't think of the other act. There was somebody else, I think, or maybe it was Max Webster. I can't remember. But Max Webster is pretty infuriating. Yeah, I mean, Blue Rodeo and Max Webster not being on there is actually, there's no excuse for that. It, yeah. They have to be on there. Who Who is this hack writer? I don't name even want to know. I don't even want no, to know. You don't want, you don't want, why you don't want to know? Because you don't. He's not that important. Sure, uh, she. We're just going to go through a few of them that were are, are noteworthy for this show, which is April Wine came in on the list, which is very nice. April Wine's there. Chilliwack's not. Yeah, I know. But there's yeah. all those bands that are like that. If you're in Canada, you know what we're talking about, but there's bands like April Wine and Streetheart and Trooper. Can I make some guesses as to uh, who might be on the list? You can make a guess if you want. Anyways, I am saying that April Wine did make the list, and I think they very deservedly made the list. What? Do you want to make a, you want to make a guess? One guess. I just want to ask. Did the Stampeders make the list? No. I didn't think so. No. Too small. Too, uh, too short, Canadian. Short and, a period of time there. Yeah. That's exactly the reason. No. Short period of time and not enough exposure in America, I think. No. Um... Bare Naked Ladies, fuck you guys. <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies made it to number forty-five. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't see the appeal. I really don't. They, they're one of the few bands, and I don't care if we're fellow Canadians or not, that actually aggravate me to the point where I want to punch somebody. They've got a funny name. <laughs> they're trying to be funny, but when people try to be funny and they're not, then you want to punch them in the face. <laughs> Sorry, all you bare naked ladies fans out there, but ugh, ugh, I can't. I just, you know what? what I, there are bands on here and artists that I have never heard of. Metric though is great. Metric's a great band. It's on there. Uh, Katie Lang comes in forty. A lot of these bands I've never Lovely heard voice. of. Lovely voice. Love her voice. A lot of, this is a band that made the list. That's a punk rock band that my brother actually knew very well when he was in the punk rock scene. Uh, DOA uh, came out of Vancouver in the late 70s and early 80s and was a very big band on both sides very a big band as far as the other bands love them and that means the American bands love them they had a great uh, following and uh, my my brother bought the albums and I think they, they toured when my brother my brother moved out to Vancouver in the early 80s with his band uh, to try and make it big and they played some gigs with DOA, and uh, they're they're a um, very very uh, influential band. You have something to say? No. Well, then why do you have your mouth open like? Because uh. <laughs> I was trying to bring back a memory, but I couldn't uh, recover the memory. Oh, okay. Uh, then as we go down the list, a lot of bands I haven't heard of. Nelly Furtado, I have heard of. She's hot. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm just, I'm just, this. I don't mean that she's on a list because she's hot. It's just, oh, fuck off. Oh, that's just a side note. Yeah. It's just a side note. Anne Murray, number 34. Yeah, Anne, Anne Murray. Murray. I don't really take the, uh, my, it shouldn't be a list as far as ranking them, which they do have. I don't mind a list where they just say, here's the 50 bands we consider the best and it's alphabetical. You put in your order. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So Anne Murray's on there, of course. Uh, uh, I, she's an institution here and a, a, a lot better uh, artist than people think she is. Uh, Lover boy, fuck. You know what? <laughs> I was wondering about that. I was pretty sure they'd be in there. <laughs> I got to say this. I have never, and even Journey doesn't count. I got to tell you something Girl Marcus said, which is funny. I'll say that in a second. But Lover Boy is a band that from the moment they started, I hated with a passion. I didn't like one thing they did. I didn't like one note they played. I, d I despised everything they stood for, and I despised everything they played. <laughs> and one of my favorite quotes was somebody asked on Grill Marcus's website, and Grill Marcus, of course, is one of the, as I've mentioned here many times on this show, I mentioned him almost every episode, is one of the best critics in the world and most renowned, he goes all the way back to the 60s. 
anyways, one of the questions he always has at once a month, he takes uh, questions from the from people. And one of the questions was, do you really hate any any musical artists? And he says, no, I, I everybody has their tastes and you can never really hate anybody. You can you can dislike their music, but you can never hate anybody. Well, except for Journey. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of made me laugh so hard because it was like really well said and all of a sudden, no, well, Journey's an exception. <laughs> <laughs> no, all people should live together in peace, too, except the Norwegians. I hate the bloody Norwegians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian Adams on the list. Who gives a fuck? Um, as we go down... Oh, Sweeney Todd, Canadian? No, Sweeney okay. Todd did not make the list. Good, you're you're naming good bands, but you're not naming bands that. Uh, well, there make are the certain list. bands that are only uh, half Canadian. Yeah, guess that. who made the list? Of course, guess who is legendary? Guess who have had? Well, we did we did a, a very comprehensive not only review of their album Road Food, but a good oh, yeah, description yeah, yeah. of the Guess Who when we reviewed that album. So we're not going to get into all that. But seriously, the Guess Who have had like. 50 songs in the top 40 years in Canada. Yeah. Different than in the States and other places because they would release more songs in Canada. But all the songs that, that they released as singles, even in Canada, were just, they were all good. Like, how do you do that? Like, that's just that's just amazing. And uh, they're way too low here. Again, I wouldn't mind this list if it was just alphabetical and not ranking them because I don't believe in that. But anyways, I never heard. Oh, Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, my God. Oh, Sarah. <laughs> Sorry. Now I just ruined Sarah McLaughlin being a guest Thanks. on our show. Love you, Sarah. I think uh, I think what you do for mankind is incredible. And for dogs, even better. <laughs> um, we're getting into our top 20 now. Tragically Hip, number 18. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. are one of my favorites. Yeah, a great band. Uh, we're getting into the top. I'm, I'm just trying to name bands that are uh, the world has heard of. <laughs> that is really more up in what we're doing, which is the '70s. I have touched the '70s oh, okay. in some way. Uh, I, I don't understand Gordon Lightfoot coming in at number eleven. I think everybody. This really is a Gordon Lightfoot show today. The whole thing, and to have Gordon Lightfoot uh, come in. Uh, other than the top five, to me, or six, is uh, just, just mind-bending. Just I like having Blue Rodeo and, and Max Reps are not on here. I won't even ask when the, he's coming up. I'll just wait till you announce it. Oh, the other band I was thinking of was actually uh, Red Rider. Tom Cochran and Red Rider. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I thought that not having them on the list, uh, I was very moved by most of the stuff that Red Rider did uh, in the 80s, I thought that they were just... I thought there that they were... There were three albums in a row I really enjoyed, and I didn't catch too many after that. Yeah, uh, I mean, they only lasted till about the end of the 90s. Not the end of the 90s, but the end of the 80s, and then Tom Cochran went solo. And he's a great songwriter, and Red Rider was a very uh, kind of a strange top 40 band. You know what I mean? They had very moody songs, and... It, I really like them, and I, I, I found it, That's again, a, more of a... And they even had, uh, uh, was it Lunatic French? I think they had Lunatic French on Miami Vice, so they were they had a couple of singles in the U.S., so I don't quite I remember seeing the, uh, the the poster for As Far As I Am, the album cover on um, uh, WKP, WKRP. Yeah, they were well-known in, in uh, the States, so yeah. I'm kind of surprised by that. I, I don't really understand that. Those three albums that I mentioned... I, I find it implausible that it's not on here. If you're a Canadian, it should be on here. Like, seriously, if you're a Canadian fan that has followed Canadian music for the last 50 years or so, or 40 years, uh, those would be on there without even thinking. <laughs> Some of the guys in Loverboy came from Streetheart. All I'm thinking, what were they thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Streetheart's on that list. Don't, uh, no. I told you. Uh, no, you didn't. The only that. one, the only one really on that list of those bands you is April did not Wine. Mention that April Wine is pretty much the only band huh. of that ilk that's on the list. They kind of really? count everybody out. Yeah, oh. which I don't agree with. Yeah, again, it's it's one of those. If you're not in Canada, you don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Basically, who is, who is this guy? Of course, number six. Uh, you knew it was going to be somewhere in the top 
10. Six, I don't know, but then there's so many. They do compliment that all the, like all the great songwriters, and, and it seems like so many great bands come from Canada, not Britain or the States. And that's what Rolling Stone said. Now you, you see this list, especially the top 10, the greatest bands and the greatest songwriters, they're from Canada. They really are, except for Dylan, of course, who's American. Uh, the band at number six should be higher. Okay. Um, they just they just are so revolutionary. They've even created their own brand of um, uh, music style, which is uh, disgracefully called Americana when it should be called Canadiana. But whatever. Uh, Leonard Cohen, number uh, four. There we go. Both that's done. Uh, Both that, done. that's a no-brainer. One of the greatest songwriters of all time, one of the greatest performers, one of the greatest concerts I ever seen was first concert I seen after my dad died. And I went to Leonard Cohen and I was played for three hours and he was like, I don't know, 80. <laughs> and I was just amazed. I was just amazed through the whole thing. Um, and sang the best version of Hallelujah. You know that there's been 600 million versions of Hallelujah in the last 20 years or so. And he sang the best one by far. When I saw that concert, people were crying. Uh, number three, well, come on, Rob. I'm exhausted at this Best point. trio, best, be, one of the best trios oh, of all time. Rush, there, rush. yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. Uh, the only song they mentioned was Limelight, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> of course, anybody who doesn't know the top two Canadian artists of all time, they are probably the people. They are the greatest songwriters, along with Leonard Cohen and Gordon Lightfoot, oh, yeah, okay. that this country has ever produced, and that the world has ever produced. I think that along with Dylan, the, the two that aren't on Spotify, <laughs> the two that aren't on Spotify, very good. Yeah, it's a very good. You know, it, and it's funny, but when you look at it. When you look at maybe the top five songwriters of all time in popular music or rock music or whatever, I think that Canada has four of the top five except for Dylan. We got Leonard Cohen, uh, you know, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, I put it right up there. Number two, Neil Young. My God, he's written, he's released a hundred albums and he's oh. and he's written so written so many songs that are just brilliant. Everybody kind of concedes that, you know, he's his own. And, of course, the Queen, she's number one, greatest artist ever to come out of Canada. Who would have thought, I never would have thought, that a young girl born in Fort McLeod, Alberta, and raised in Saskatchewan, of all places. Yeah, that's not a big town. Would become, <laughs> yeah, and raised in Saskatchewan when I was growing up, if I would have heard that, that she would be, Right up there with Dylan is the greatest songwriter and definitely the greatest artist, musical artist. To you come would, from you would have punched the speaker right in the kidney. I, I would say Saskatchewan. <laughs> 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 really? But without a doubt, Joni Mitchell, number one. Uh, she is our greatest ambassador and uh, she is, other than Dylan, uh, the, the greatest songwriter, without a doubt. And I'm just amazed at this list as far as when you actually see all the amazing artists that have came from Canada. And you know what? It's 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 hard to come from Canada because the only Mecca we have is in Toronto. And, Every uh, place else, yeah, you're uh, out in the boonies. You're out in the boonies, but a lot of bands that they don't have on here refuse to go to Vancouver and Toronto. <laughs> bands like Streetheart and like we have mentioned and Trooper and, and all these bands and... Uh, well, you know what? They made they made their mark in other ways. You don't have to make a list and have them on it to not make your mark. And I tell you, everybody in Canada knows Trooper and <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, Street Blue Art Rodeo. And, and Blue, oh my God, Blue Rodeo. We, as our band, have been called that our sound, which I don't, I kind of agree with more now than I did 20 years ago. But everybody always says, oh, they sound like Blue Rodeo. Uh, so there is an affinity there for us because that's the sound that most people identify our band as. And I do like, I do like, their music is great. Some of it's a little bit pretentious, 
Uh, I, I will admit that. But, oh, my God, to not be on a top 50 list of Canadian artists of all time is redonkulous. This guy was a drunken fool. Who got a lot of uh, right uh, bands? Hmm? Huh? This guy did uh, a mostly good job. He did mostly a good job. I like that he had a bunch of unknown bands on there. I, I like that it seems like he knew his stuff about uh, Canada's music for the last 20 years. But the point is that uh, I think maybe somebody in the last 50 years would have gotten this a little bit more correct. Um, and uh, I'm just going to say this, having Drake higher than the band <laughs> makes me laugh like I am now. I'm sorry. Drake's, a, uh, I guess, an incredible artist. I'm not a follower of hip-hop. Uh, but uh, the band is the band. The band has is revolutionary in, in not just in rock and roll, but in music. I'll get off of that. Uh, because we have to move on to the great man. Yeah. my One of my heroes. Uh, we are today reviewing the 19s. I still think that's lower up. But that's that's just me. I don't know. You're in charge. You're the engineer. You're the engineer per excellence. You just wait till the compressor hits it. Okay. I trust Rob more than I trust my left hand. I don't trust me. <laughs> you ruined my joke because I was going to say more, but forget it. Uh, we were reviewing the 1971 album Summer Side of Life by the late Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, love the man. Holy smokes. Uh, Dylan said it best, and it's something I quote all the time when he said uh, that Gordon Lightfoot has never written a song that's bad. I actually agree with that. I don't think he has ever written a bad song. He's written songs that are better than other songs, obviously. Everybody does. But I honestly don't <laughs> think that, in, that I would say that Gordon Lightfoot has ever written a bad song. And the song, some of the songs he have written... Uh, and we're going to get to that on this album because I've listened to every Gordon Lightfoot album. What are you fucking smiling for? Well, I got a <laughs> paragraph here. Of, uh, uh, I got no uh, bad songs from him either. The, the lowest I go is okay but comforting. Comforting. <laughs> like, it, it comforted me in my time of peril. Um, and uh, I, just, I just want... He is, as I've said on this show a few times... I have never come across a songwriter where I've wanted to write as many songs as he did, as, as far as writing the songs he did. Oh, I wish I would have wrote that one. Oh, I do that. I rarely ever do that. I do that for maybe one or two songs for a big artist like Dylan. But for, and I think Dylan's the greatest. I think, I think Dylan is, is godlike. But Gordon Lightfoot, for some reason, just gets me. The way he changes sometimes uh, from uh, the verse to the middle eighth or to the chorus stuns me sometimes and then how he changes it with his melody and it's just there are so many times I said I wish I did that I wish I did that on that one I wish I did that I wish I wrote that and it's something I rarely do but with Lightfoot I do it almost all the time all the time um, he's just a he's just a songwriting god to me. Let alone the fact that he sings in such a, as Rob says, a calming, uh, comforting. You yeah. just if you know it's him, no one else sings, sings like him. Uh, anytime I hear him sing, I associate it with something good. Like uh, I just feel good hearing it. Oh. Maybe not ice cream. Maybe a, a pool party. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of Gordon Lightfoot, I think of a pool party. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> Don't you, ladies? Okay, so uh, Lightfoot went to Gordon went to the United States for a while to learn more about music in the late fifties uh, and early sixties. But he missed Canada and he missed Toronto. By the way, he never he never moved. The United States. He just traveled. He just did his touring and he went back to Canada all the time. He uh, he proved that you didn't have to go to the states to be popular and to, and to and to be an icon, uh, that you could do it from Canada. And for that alone, he is known as such a Canadian artist. He wrote almost one song on every album that was really Canadian that no Americans would understand. And I always appreciated that he was. 
to under to really understand Gordon Lightfoot, I think you would really have to be Canadian, because growing up, oh my God, I remember the 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 mid to late seventies, and Gordon Lightfoot was played all the time. If it was either an old song or his new song from his new album, Gordon Lightfoot on AM radio was played constantly. He was literally like an institution already, and it was only the mid-70s, you know. It wasn't like uh, he still had like 40 years to go. <laughs> there so, weren't too many other institutions at the time who would uh, uh, compare to him, like. You know what? That's very correct. Even at that time, parts. Joni Mitchell was not because was not considered was, an institution like he was. He was a consistent hitter. He was. He had like uh, I was looking, uh, going through all of his albums, and like uh, fuck, I love that song. I love that song. There's at least one song on every album, most albums that I absolutely love. I agree. That's one of the things I noticed too. I have listened. I think I said this earlier in the show. I can't remember, but I, I of course, being a huge Gordon Lightfoot fan, have listened to all his albums. And all his albums, pretty much from the beginning until about 1982, all had a song, at least one song that I knew. It was a big hit single that was played all the time. And that's a huge stretch. That's, that's yeah. 15, 16 years. A lot of guys had uh, you know dips and uh, mm -hmm. dry spells here and there, or uh, had to dry out from the drugs. Or... Like Dylan said, I hit, I, I, he's never written a bad song. And I <laughs> listened to all his albums, and I cannot say, I, I, I cannot say that's a bad song on this no. album, or that's a bad There's song. There's occasions listening to his lyrics where I, I get the feeling that maybe that one line or that one word, he might have uh, said, I just gotta finish the song. There, done. But he hits so much with the rest of the words that, and also the his singing style. He just even if it's not a strong line, uh, he can sell it's it. It's smooth, boy. He can. Uh, it's smooth, and yes, uh, you, you can't say it any better than that. He does write. Rob, Rob is Rob is right. Sounds he good does coming from right. Him. Sometimes I got to get through this song. I'm kind of done with what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, not like uh, frequently. Just uh, every yeah, now and then you find but, uh, a line that you right. Rob says use. perfectly, but he sells it, and and you can tell if you're a songwriter like me and Rob are. And I'm not. I don't like to do that. Oh, but you don't understand because we're. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you can you? really tell when there's kind of a clunker line in there amid all these great lines and you can kind of tell that and then you kind of go yeah but you know what i don't really irrelevant it. it is irrelevant. doesn't matter because it it's it's the whole rest of the song is so good that you know and he uh like i said he re returned to canada and in 1930 1960s and he was featured on a on a show called country hoedown and in a group called <laughs> i love this name the singing swinging eight does that sound like a seventies name for uh, for a, 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 a what do you call it? A, a key party? Swing, singing eight. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. who's coming? Who's coming to the key party tonight? Like oh, the swinging. singing swinging eight. <laughs> Not since the swinging blue jeans. <laughs> Has there been a band who really likes to swing? Um, uh, and you can see, I think, footage of. Uh, uh, there's not many shows that are left of. Of the old shows from the 60s but there is an occasional there are actually episodes of of Joni and Gordon on the on the, the same uh show uh that you can see uh on YouTube and when they're very young in the mid 60s before they became famous and those are those are kind of priceless and then he released some singles um that didn't do too good in the early 60s and then he was kind of uh, he appeared at the Mariposa Folk Festival in 1964, and that's kind of where he got discovered uh, because he had all. Uh, oh yeah, Ian and Sylvia Tyson. They should have been on a top. Oh fuck, they weren't in there. No, and Ian Tyson wow. not being on the top 50 Canadian artists of all time. Wow, I never even yeah, I never even okay. thought about that. You know what? This Having some, Ian and Sylvia not on the top 50. This is some some punk kid who did this list. Punk kid. Punk kid. Uh, Ian and Sylvia were at the, the folk festival and uh, as were other people and they started covering his songs and he got signed. He got he got uh, Bob Dylan's manager, Albert Grossman, and uh, he got signed to United Artists and made a string of great albums uh, in the late 60s. Uh, they call them now the, the UA albums, the United Artists albums. They were the, uh, 
ones just before he signed to Warner Brothers, Reprise, in 1970. And the first album he made when he signed to Reprise was the album just before the one we're reviewing today. That was Sit Down, Young Stranger. Sit Down, Young Stranger. See, we call it Sit Down, Young Stranger. They call you guys in the States. <laughs> I got call the Canadian it, version in a yeah, from flea market in old milk crate. It is yeah. called in Canada, Sit Down, Young Stranger. Uh, but they retitled it uh, after a while in the States, in the UK, if you could read my mind. We don't call it that. We call it Sit Down, Young Stranger. No, no, we don't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> and I do mean it like that, too. We don't. Like, it's, like uh, first of all, it's a much better title. And second of all, just... To we just don't know it as Sit Down, Young Stranger. That's, I mean, as... Uh, if you could read my mind, that's a song. That's just a song. Not just a song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. But it is just a song on the record yeah uh and they got all these it's so funny i'm looking here and they got all the, i'm gonna do this i'm gonna say all these songs from every album that were like uh, big big as in uh they were covered but either covered by people or hit singles uh we got uh from the summer side of life which we're gonna do uh 10 degrees and getting colder miguel uh, Cabaret Nous Vivons Ensemble and Summer Side of Life. Don Quixote had beautiful, oh, that's a great song. Uh, Looking at the Rain and the title track. Old Dan's Records had uh, It's Worth Believing and Can't Depend on Love. Sundown. Now, these are records that are, are released Sundown every year. And Carefree Highway. Off every home. year, yeah. right? After you've toured for eight months. Uh, and uh, Sundown had Carefree Highway. Uh, Circle of Steel, uh, and of course the title track, Sundown. Cold on the Shoulder had uh, Rainy Day People. Rainy, Rainy Day, Day People. people. I, I shouldn't um, like that song. I do. One of these albums had Alberta Bound, but they don't say which one. I can't remember which one had Alberta Bound on it, which is a great song. When we went back to some of the 60s albums, I haven't heard Black Day in July. And so yeah, that's so that's the UA albums in the 60s. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I love Black that Day in July. And for loving me, oh my God! There is. We're not even. We're we'll, just talking we'll about the seventies albums. The sixties yeah. albums have uh, <laughs> early morning rain and we got to get out of here sometime. I know we can't talk about all of. Them. <laughs> then you got a uh, summertime dream. I don't know how these. You can do that every year and every year. He had, of course, the legendary record of the Edmund Fitzgerald, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. and then uh, Endless Wire. I which an album that got criticized by everybody I actually really like this album <coughs> in fact we should review it now, now we're going to review it after I said I really like it <laughs> but it's got Daylight Katie I remember when that song was released I remember when Endless Wire was released and a new version of The Circle is Small which I, I hear all the time on the radio now in Canada here and The Circle is Small nobody knows it except if you listen to AM radio in Canada but they play it all the time. Uh, he actually recorded it on one of his UA albums and then re-recorded it for Endless Wire. And that's just that's just the 70s. We're not going to get into to all the stuff. Uh, we could even get into a couple more songs. One of my favorite songs of all time is on this album, which is not even mentioned. But let's go to this album. This is the album right after Sit Down Young Stranger, where he really broke because of If You Could Read My Mind. And uh, now he was the... The guy, Gordon Lightfoot, the songwriter that's that's compared to Dylan and everybody. So this is his first album as that, and I, oh God, I love this album. This album just gets, I, I mean, the, just like so many albums we review, it just gets better every time you listen to it. And the subtleties, I, I could seriously, I think me and Rob could both do this. We could talk about all of these songs separately and point out little things like you hear how that moves <laughs> into a minor chord at that point just to uh, stick to a few of my exactly. notes i was making okay three-quarter ballad that's unusual <laughs> and uh, this one sounds like an old country uh is not quite his voice like an old country kind of voice and that's what i was thinking i was thinking we could really tell you about the brilliance of gordon lightfoot if we really dissected these songs because there are some moments with, to me as a songwriter, are breathtaking. And I go, mm -hmm. wow, the choice of going to that chord right after the uh, verse is just wow. And to go have the singing start right then. These are very little things that, that make him uh, so special that we could talk about it, but I just thought that no, then it gets too academic. 
But I'm just telling you, this, what he does is just, oh, I, can't, I can't imagine doing it. It's just too brilliant, actually. To be honest with you, it's too brilliant for my, for, for my abilities. His singing, he, he's one of those guys who I haven't heard anyone else who sounds like him. Uh, he tends to emphasize key words and phrases. His vocals are really rhythmic, where uh, you know every uh, beat or two beats, uh, the, he increases the volume of his singing. He's uh, got you know, something I call the Boomhauer effect, which <laughs> the character uh, from uh, the TV show King of the Hill, who uh, he would speak in whole sentences that you couldn't understand uh, more than one or two words, but by the inflection, you knew what he was saying. And uh, it's not as exaggerated here, but he does tend to uh, emphasize the really important uh, words or phrases to make sure they get through without sounding like he's emphasizing them. That's the point, is that he does. And you know what? I wasn't going to mention that because I think it was in my subconscious. He does it without you knowing it. But he does it without me knowing it. But you noticed it and you're uh, 100% it's right. A, okay, I, I made that out and that, now I have to listen. What's this? I thought this was about, it's, it's about it's, this. It's disguising one line to emphasize the next line. Yeah. And it's all subtle. And it's, again, one of these things that we could talk about for three hours if we wanted to, <laughs> about all the brilliant subtleties of Gordon Lightfoot. But all we'll just say is it's there, this way of emphasizing a line without you knowing it uh, so that you remember that line. Um, I like how he, he be, can be very tender, like in a song like Miguel with his voice, and yet in 10 degrees and colder, he could be like that guy. He's like the guy in the song or the narrator of each song. Yeah. In 10 degrees and colder, he is that guy hitchhiking in the cold and kind of bitter. And, and if you I, know. If I have people uh, sing in my songs, I tell them right up front, uh, this, this can only work if you believe some part of it. You can get into the character of it. He gets into the character. of He is the character in each of these songs. Uh, he is. He, he is tells the, the story like... Uh, like he's there. Like he's you know, the guy. Um, so I, I love Miguel. I, I, Miguel is an extremely uncomplicated, complicated song. Uh, it sounds... I, I don't know which one it is because it's so... I try not to think about it too much because I don't want to dissect it too much. But Miguel either sounds complicated and isn't or it sounds uncomplicated and is. <laughs> I don't know what, but I know that either one, it's it it it's it, it's absolutely breathtaking, absolutely three, breathtaking. Three verses, no choruses. It's one of those story songs that I, I love. Story songs. I love story songs, and he does it so. And then he goes into that uh, every every ending of the uh, verse and chorus with the word Miguel, and uh, you know I still love you, Miguel. And then it goes. Beautiful. Like people think that oh, I sometimes I can just put something here and then we'll go back to the verse. Everything about at least about this song, mostly about all poor life songs, but especially about this song, every part is so thought of. You know, it's like uh, Miguel has that beautiful part after every chorus, it's like where the two guitars are playing, and that alone is worth the song. <laughs> That alone is the brilliance of the song, let alone the words and the and the, and the story melody, it's telling. Yeah. And the story. And uh, then we head in into the second side, not the second side, the second half of the first side, which is where we hit uh, the three kind of hit singles or major songs on the album, which are, of course, the summer side of life, which I so Absolutely love. Absolutely love that And song. I so wish I wrote I because got, it's uh, so brilliant. The one uh, Gordon Lightfoot album I actually bought, I uh, was passing the store, and uh, one of the greatest hits album, Gord's Gold, was Gord's on Gold, there. Yeah. And because it had that and uh, Sundown, I had to have it. Summerside of Life uh, was... Uh, oh, just, what a song. I love this song. Oh, <laughs> and you know what? I, I don't know. I never get bored of it. I never get bored of this song. And we had to listen to this album, you know, three or four times in the, in, you know, before we did it. And I've heard this song on the radio. It gets played lots on the radio. Doesn't matter. No, this I is never I get bored of it. Stop what I'm doing on this. Place. It's a Gordon Light. That's so funny you said that. But Gordon Lightfoot is almost whatever is played on the radio is 
stop. And I just <laughs> want to hear it. powerful. I, it is. Gordon Lightfoot, to me, is that powerful. I yeah. just want to hear it. It happens almost every time a Gordon Lightfoot song comes up. Summer Side of Life, we could get into all the uh, I love it. I'm done. It's one of my favorite I, love, I just want to say, I love how it goes from the verse being about how great life is and and how it's the summer side of life. And then not only does the lyrics turn, but the music turns minor key, and then it goes into, oh yeah, uh, and da da da. It gets real dramatic, da da. And it goes into parts like they talk about these young kids enjoying, one of the verses oh, yeah, yeah, the is young kids verse. enjoying, well they all do, they all kind of turn, the other, the other two verses are about love, about how it's the guy's in love, and then, oh, but now it's not, and he's alone, and he's and it's it's not the summer side of life anymore. The second verse is about mainly about the Vietnam War, but about war in general, which yeah, is what these I young kids. Yeah, I talk about any war because yes, that's a thing which war. recurs from over and over. Young exactly. men going off to fight, having fun in the summertime as young boys, and then uh, thinking life is so beautiful and then coming back and uh, they're never the same or some of them don't come back and some of them don't come back and it's very moving very and powerful. it's hidden in such an up-tempo song yeah, it's like uh, if you don't listen to the lyrics it's you just, just think it's a summer yeah. song <laughs> and it's actually it's a, a nice very, upbeat it's actually a very dark song it's it's a song that because half of the song is about oh the summer side of life but actually no because it turns and says that for these people at least that's a, a very small part of their lives the rest of their lives are just loneliness and how they wish it could be like it was before but they can't get a home without love his yeah. chance to waste yeah. oh. amazing song uh, there is a throwaway song, but it's damn catchy with Cotton Jenny. Cotton a Jenny huge song for Anne Murray. Was on Gord's Gold, and uh, first bunch of times I listened to it, I hated it. Did you? <laughs> yes. And it grew on me, and I hate to say it, but uh, I've really grown to like this stupid song. <laughs> it's a stupid song, but he sings it like so rhythmically. And I keep thinking, why can't I have a girl like Cotton Jenny? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is not a, it is not a, like, but you can't write serious stuff all the time. No, no. And that's what I like about it, is that it's, it's right. frivolous, but it's catchy as shit. And you know what? Anne Murray liked it so much. She pretty much did exactly the same thing that Gordon Lightfoot did, except put her own vocals on it. Her own voice. It's just exact same arrangement. And that's the song I hear on the radio when I listen is Anne Murray's. And it doesn't make any difference. It's actually even sung, I think, at the same speed, to be honest with you. And I and maybe because I've heard it so many times, it has really uh, grown you know, on I me. Bet you she just, I bet you she just uh, recorded it because she, she loved the song and enjoyed doing it. Oh, yeah. I bet you that's why. And that's why Anne Murray records her songs. People... Uh, Anne Murray is held in high esteem by people who kind of know music and people who kind of uh, think they know music and are very highfalutin kind of put her down. But people who are really in the know, like some critics and stuff, they they actually know about Anne Murray. They know that she's not a, just a girl who sings songs. Okay. We will review an Anne Murray album because I'm kind of looking for that. Yeah, she's <laughs> coming. Cotton Jenny, I just think is, uh, is you know what? It's a nice uh, respite from what yes. has been a very uh, cerebral first four songs. And he's good at that. You know, there yeah. are so many, there are so many styles on this album. One of my comments I wrote was, good hurting songs. Gord Lightfoot knows how to cut you. <laughs> <laughs> He'll cut you, man. And Cotton Jenny is the one that, uh, that doesn't cut you. It doesn't catch you. It's just there to have fun, and you need that. Uh, I've done. I've written that. I have no. I have no shame for writing uh, flimsy songs because I felt that that was needed. Yes, it for contrast. Yeah, you for can't contrast. do all the same thing. You don't want to be looked as a get dour person. Bored. Even Leonard Cohen has written uh, trivial songs, and you know, and they always talk about the the dark songs. But even he has written many Some funny songs. Off the cuff. Off the cuff yeah. songs. This okay. The next song kills me i hear this song every time and it kills me it is actually is a song when i hear on the radio i am actually looking for a place to pull over because talking in your sleep 
is just to me one of the three songs I wish I would have written because it's so amazing in so many ways. First of all, about the subject matter and how he speaks from the lover's point of view or from the, hus the jilted husband or boyfriend's point of view is just devastating because of how he uh, encompasses the song. I heard you talking in your sleep. And it's not, it's not hysterical. No. It's, it's, it's almost a resignation. Ominous, like uh, yes. that sick feeling in your gut that you can't get rid of. And you know that, and you know this guy is like sitting at the window looking at the lake or something. Like just goes, and he says to himself, as she's sleeping, I heard you talking in your sleep. And it's a resignation. It's like, well, if you're sleeping with this guy, which you obviously are, or you're in love with him, it's over. There's no nice way to find and out. And next, the next day, I'm going to tell you about it, that I heard what you said. But for this right now, this is how complex this song is. But for right now, I just can stand here and go, it's over. And it's so sad, but it's also so beautiful. It's it's uh, yeah, because this is hitting him like a ton of bricks. He it is did not see this coming. You can feel a ton of bricks. You he can feel it. Kind of knew that they weren't talking, but when you realize that you know haven't said a word all day, but then uh, he's talking yes. in his sleep. Isn't that brilliant? It's like you know you haven't said a word all day. It makes me suspicious, and then oh fuck, I understand. Because you don't have anything to say to me. Yeah. Brilliance. Fucking brilliance. And just beautiful too. That's what makes it so tough is to have such a sad song be so beautiful. <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot knows how to cut you. <laughs> uh, second song, uh, second side. Uh, the songs are good. They aren't as, as good. The, what is good about the second side is that his variance... <clears throat> He does a, a 50s yes. pastiche with the same old lover band, same which old I lover, love. That's the three-quarter ballad that has yes. the uh, the old country singer kind of feel to it. Yeah, and I love the old, same old lover man. And I love that. I love Redwood Hill because he does bluegrass, which I really like. And he talks about Mother Nature, seeing Mother Nature on Redwood Hill. Hippy-dippy stuff. Really hippy-dippy <laughs> stuff. Love and Maple Syrup was actually one of the weaker songs for me. I just... I, I really liked that song. I liked the way the uh, the verse transitioned into the chorus, uh, like the total mood and feel changes. And then that uh, instrumental part, uh, right after the chorus, the... Uh, uh, the the vocal singing with the guitar. Oh, you know what I want to I mention? Love that you mentioned, I you mentioned didn't like the lyrics, but I love the music. You mentioned this <laughs> this part about love of maple syrup, and I just want to tell you that there's there's such a cool part that in talking in your sleep that I don't know if people realize it, but he I don't know if it's after the first verse and chorus or second verse and chorus, but there's this little instrumental break but nothing really happens <laughs> and I don't know if I can describe oh. it in words it's just it's it's not there's no leads in it it's an instrumental break there's but and but the background vocals come up but you can hear what they're saying they start with oh, 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 and it gets higher you still can't hear what it is there's no lead guitar there's no lead acoustic guitar it's it's about 20 seconds of just instrumental with nothing up front and i i was thinking this is perfect because uh, it's like saying i'm not this this that, is too moody yes speechlessness effects. the speechlessness like and even the background vocals where you can't hear what they're saying but you can feel the mood and he's trying to say there's nothing here that I can present except mood or just quietness. It's almost like the guy is stopped thinking oh. for a while and he's still, but he's still looking out the window out of the lake. That's awful when you have just, a serious yeah. problem to deal with and you've thought about it so much that you've, uh, you've run out of thoughts. And... You've run out of thoughts. That's what I thought that he devised for that section of the song. And I was thinking, fuck, man. <laughs> Eat on that level. <laughs> Okay, and it ends with one of the strangest Gordon Lightfoot songs, <laughs> which I don't understand. Two-parter, <laughs> three-parter, because it begins as two songs, and the f but it begins with uh, a musical uh, interlude. 
Is that the musical, it, the instrumental part? Instrumental part for about a minute and a half, which is very nice. I said very slow. Uh, that's also three four. That uh... yes, and it's kind of a it's kind of like a, a prelude. It's a prelude into the first part of the song because it has nothing to do with either parts of the song. It's very. It nice. doesn't recur anywhere. Doesn't recur <laughs> it's anymore. Just a nice thing that comes and goes. It's one of the. It's not only. I have to admit, one of the strangest songs by far that I've heard from Gordon Lightfoot. But one of the strangest folk songs I think I've ever heard because it makes no sense. But in a good way because I love this song because then it goes into the uh, one half of the song which is cabaret which I don't understand but it's it's very rhythmic and very melodic. It's uh, and really uh, vocals there uh, they remind me of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young uh, very much. I think that was uh, I was reading through the credits that was the Jordanaires. Oh, the Jordanaires, they sang really good on us. And they sound old time because they were, of course, Elvis's background singers. Yeah, they started. And they don't in like sound new, they the sound late very religious. 40s or if that makes sense. But they, yes, they sound 40s and early 50s. Yeah. And very almost, yes. That's I, where I'm, they not, I'm going to leave it at that. And then I, I listened to that and I wasn't checking the credits. And I checked, oh, the Jordanaires, that's why they don't sound modern and hip <laughs> because he wanted that. By the way, we have to mention before we conclude with Cabaret. Well, we'll conclude with Cabaret and then talk about the players on the album. Then it goes from Cabaret, which plays for about half of the song. And then the other half is uh, another song, which which has nothing to do with the Cabaret part. It's about a kind of a guy sitting uh, in a truck stop uh, when it's raining and just kind of looking around. None of it makes sense, but in a way it all does. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't cognitively join up the two parts, the two vocal parts. No, uh, they, they, they can't be. But there just seems to be. It is a stream of consciousness song. But the great thing is, is that, and the greatness in Gordon makes it all work for me. It just, it just doesn't have to make sense sometimes. Just like a movie yep. doesn't have to make sense to hit you. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's what the movie says to you rather than what the actual plot is. Just like when a movie just has characters, but doesn't really have a storyline, but it can affect you. That's kind of like what Cabaret is, is that it doesn't really have a story, but the mood of the song and the way it shifts kind of like says it all. Yeah, I think the moods may be related, even if the... uh, The mood's related. I could uh, combine the subject matter. Real strange song, though. We have to admit that. <laughs> yeah. Um just we just want to say uh the playing on this album is Elvis's uh uh band recorded in, in Memphis, I think, Rob. Is that true? I believe he went no, to Nashville. No, I'm sorry, Nashville. Nashville. Okay. Uh we have uh Chip Young, who Chip Young is the guy who played the part on Suspicious Minds uh for Elvis. That part at the beginning, you know, with the he plays that. Um We've got a bunch of Nashville cats. We've got Henry Strislicki, who played bass on Blonde on Blonde, uh, one of the Nashville cats for Dylan. Ken Buttry, who has played with Dylan and went on tour with Neil Young. These are big. These are big guys. We've got Vassar Clements on violin, who is a legend. Charlie McCoy, who is still living, un- unbelievably. He's played on every session in Nashville, plays harmonica on this record. And the guy that just recently died, Hargus Pig Robbins, who was blind and yet could play the piano better than anybody. These were the Nashville Cats. These were the best cats that could play uh, on any session. And they're on this album, although the music isn't all that important as far as the accompaniment is concerned. No, there were little parts popping up and it was yes. definitely solid. like Solid, yeah. But not important. And that's what I think Neil's... Uh, Neil... Gordon is trying to convey his guitar playing though his just his rhythm and, and his picking not his lead even the lead isn't all that important here it's almost Gordon's voice and his rhythm picking yeah. that's the center point of this album his to me. picking is just perfect with the, what he's writing for lyrics exactly and we I, see and I thought there were girls on this record but it was the, all the Jordanaires that's how good they are um, especially on the summer side of life, I thought for sure yeah. there's women's background singers on that, but that's the Jordanaires. Yeah, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I thought it was you know maybe two guys and two gals. Yeah, uh, so did I. But no women at all singing on this. So there you go. Uh, I love every Gordon Lightfoot album. It's not fair that I review <laughs> a Gordon Lightfoot album because I seriously do. I either really like it 
or I love it. Uh, I don't think I dislike any Gordon Lightfoot album, and I've heard all 22 of them. So, uh, but it was nice to go back to this album. I haven't heard it in a long time, and I give it four four stars. He was actually just really starting up because he was going to be really making great albums in the 70s. And this was just the start of uh, a, a string of just amazingly strong albums. Yeah, I just, uh, as a musician, uh, musicians who go for a long time and do it right for the whole time, those are my heroes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like, I still can't understand um, how these guys did it and how they could make an album every year. Gordon Lightfoot especially, uh, writing an album every year. Yeah. Touring for eight months of the year. Because for him to get it sounding like this, he's got to, in the writing process, go through those songs a lot of times. Oh, yeah, he said that writing... A lot of... He said writing is torturous for him. Niddling and figgling. Yeah. yeah. He said the writing is not easy. And for him, it's not much fun. But he says he knows he has to do it. Uh, I can see that when I listen to his songs that... He's not satisfied until every part is like the way it is. That's why there's so many cool parts that we say we could talk about. We actually did a lot more than I thought we would today. Because <laughs> I said, we're not going to talk about the little Nick, Nicky parts that in there. That, But we did talk about quite a few. We could talk about a lot more. But that's the kind of thing that makes his songwriting, I think, so difficult for him. Is that I don't want it to just be like, because you could do that. And I yes. do that a lot of the times. I get real lazy and I say, well, like, I'll okay, just it's make... four chords of this, it's yes. eight chords of this. And you know what? At the end the of, the, of the second one, of the second chorus, after the two verses in chorus, I'll just, uh, I'll just make room for a solo. <laughs> but he's thinking, you know what? It would be really nice to, to make it different than the first one and I'll, I'll do this little thing. And it's like, fuck. Just like when he does that, uh, what song is it? Love and Maple Syrup. When he goes, dun, dun, da, dun, dun, da, dun. With the, uh, what do you play on the, uh, uh, it's not those uh, timpanis or kettle drums. Oh, it's the xylophone? Uh, yes. Uh, and he did, that little part gets me every time. Uh, uh, and he does, they do it like once or twice in Love and Maple Syrup. But you think the song is over at the end and then you hear that, dun, dun, da, dun, 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 dun. And it's really strange because it's more jazz. It's a jazz type thing to be doing. And yet he had to put that flourish in where I would just say it's fine as is. Don't put, why are you, why are you putting all that stuff in there? That's what, that's what differentiates, uh, uh, differentiates between yeah. a guy who writes good and a guy like Gordon Lightfoot. He's going the extra mile. He's going through these songs every day and every day he's coming with little stuff and building and building. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, he ain't no slouch. <laughs> missed. Uh, I took his death really hard. I didn't think I would take it that hard because, to be honest with you, he had one foot in the grave for like a decade or so. But still, when he was gone, he was like, he was a part of my life as a Canadian kid since the time I started playing music because that was what it was like when we were growing up. Gordon Lightfoot was on the radio all the time, and it was like, as soon as you start listening to music, Gordon Lightfoot is there. <laughs> so to actually say after all these years that Gordon Lightfoot isn't there is was sad. But then I think, holy shit, I got 20 albums that I can continually listen to. I just think of the good memories of Gord. <laughs> I think of the time we went over that drummer's place, uh, John, and he had that bust of Beethoven with the sunglasses on. And he said, that looks like Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> I remember the time when he sang every song ever written on Fiketel. <laughs> If you watch SCTV, you would get that joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's all we'd ever rated. I, I four, four stars. Four, I'm we four both gave as it four well. Stars. This one grew and grew on me. At first, it was kind of losing me um, in some of the songs, but uh, by about the fourth or fifth listen, it was uh, I, enough of these songs were really special to me. That damn, this guy's good. I I actually, even though I've heard this album before. Um, I just couldn't. I just couldn't believe how each listen, even after I have listened to it before, got better and better. Yeah, it's like and I was thinking, my God, if I kept on listening to this record, writing. it'd be like Abbey Road to me. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta back off. <laughs> it's getting too good. Um, yeah, uh, we we both give it a strong four stars, 
And uh, trust me, if you like folk music and you really like songwriting and you like storytelling, um, Gordon Lightfoot has to be picked up. It, it doesn't even matter what album. Pick out any album from the 60s and 70s for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you, you are laughing. So uh, that's our show. Not too bad. We got our in a good time. First show from the new place. Show you know what? It wasn't eighty too hot. It was been warm in here, but it no. Wasn't. As soon as the sun went down, it cooled a bit. Yeah. So, so uh, we will have to rectify that if it gets too hot. We're already coming yeah. <laughs> to nearing the end of summer already, <laughs> and it just started. We'll complain to the management. That was something we could never do at the last studio. Well, he's being crazy and absent at all. <laughs> <laughs> and absent <laughs> crazy and absent makes for a bad owner <laughs> yeah we could have chosen better <laughs> okay uh, so that's our show for today uh, next week which will seem almost like tomorrow to us <laughs> next week we will review another album by her I don't even remember what the album is oh I remember now okay no. We will review another album by a recently deceased musician, and it will be show number trois. No, <laughs> sorry. No. Sorry to all my French comrades no. out there, especially when Gordon Lightfoot just did an album, just did a song on this album we reviewed, which was about English Canadians and French Canadians getting together as one. <laughs> I just insulted my French patriots. Uh, it'll be show number deux. <laughs> deux. Deux. Here in our new digs. Uh, I'm liking it here. I have to admit, uh, I know it will be better, but even this little setup we have is 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 much better than I thought it was going to be. And uh, once a nice. lot of this stuff gets cleared out of here, oh boy, we could do stuff. I kind of like it when it's, as I told Rob before we're doing the show, I like it when there's the stuff here because oh, it yeah, takes the echo away. The sound, yeah. So once we move all the stuff out of here, we will have echo, and that was the stuff. That's the thing that really bugs me. <laughs> uh-huh. Wait. Hopefully these microphones will um, uh, not pick up any of the echo. I love these microphones more than I love you. How do you like that? Don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) I love these microphones more than I love me. (laughs) So until next week, my friends, which will seem like tomorrow to us. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. I'm such an idiot. It's tomorrow today. Uh, uh, Everybody, please uh, take care and stay safe. Just write her off.